time to stay. Hey, 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 everything's okay. It's a sunny day, we got some time to stay. Hey, 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 everything's okay. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Entrepreneur's Channel. I've been thinking over the week about this episode and what should come next, and I think it's important to mix items that are relevant at various stages of the development of your business. In part because all of you may not be at the same stage of your own development, but also because anticipating a bit on tomorrow's future development can help you see where you should focus on today's strategy. So. I begin this podcast by mentioning that I would rely on my own experience and especially on my own mistakes to share with you some useful tips on your business ventures. And I think it is time to share about one major of these useful mistakes. Someone told me once that when hiring a new employee, he did not ask much about the person's achievements or success, but rather focused on the candidate's failures and mistakes. At first I thought he was a terribly toxic and cynical individual, but then he explained the reasons why he focused on it. He told me, you know, when you are successful, you know you did it right. So most of the time you'll just keep doing things the same way to repeat your existing success. Of course it's useful to know what you did well to assess your performance. But when you fail, you have to think further about what went wrong, why, how you could have done it better to eventually succeed. You seek to improve your performance, be a better, more successful individual, and I'm more interested in knowing about a candidate's ability to improve, learn useful lessons from past mistakes and overall resiliency, rather than what life proved to be good, right and somehow easy. After that explanation it became clear to me that I was not talking to a toxic and cynical employer, but rather to a visionary leader thinking out of the box. So. Today's lesson will be about a massive mistake I made when I was in my first company. I had spent a couple of years targeting small and medium businesses as clients, offering a bunch of IT services that were more or less innovative, but my dream deep inside was to find the big, recurring client that would bring me the peace of mind of having a constant influx of fresh cash while working actively on my R&D and the development of more disruptive innovation. These were the early days of voice over IP, a time when most people were still accustomed to traditional PSTN, the good old telephone. Few companies had already switched to VoIP and it came to high cost in terms of network performance and risks of outage, equipment cost. There were issues with prioritization of data streams on network that still had to find their answer through industry standards and only a few proprietary solutions existed. Nevertheless, and against all odds, I found a client with a very special business model who was willing to take the risk of switching a full offshore call center to VoIP. The benefit to their business was huge and they thought the performance issues were outweighed by the operational and financial benefits of it. For me, it was the occasion to develop further technology I had been working on for several months without an actual business case. So putting in practice what had been only theoretical so far, but also developing a significant recurring business with a larger than usual client. I spent several weeks designing their solution, I even hired specialized teams of developers from a larger startup that had a good level of expertise in some specific areas of that technology 
to improve further and complement the existing solution I had designed. We ended up with a very powerful and tailor-made solution for my client's business case. They were so happy with the product, we worked several months together and they became my dream client. The one who was bringing in cash and leaving me a bit of time aside to work on the development of other products and services. Except that they were big, bigger than my usual clients. I started working for them far more than I originally envisioned and spending my days and literally my nights on the maintenance of the platform. There was no way I could outsource it to a third-party provider while remaining viable financially. There was no way I could hire someone to do the work for me as the technical skills for doing it were rarely available in one single person. That's also why I successfully switched to consulting later on, but that's a different story. And someone with the right skills would have been far too expensive for that one single client anyway. The market was not ready to switch to full VoIP for other call centers, while this would have been the only viable option to get more business in that field and remain viable while expanding the business. In other words, I was stuck with one major client generating something around 90% of my turnover and taking almost the same amount of my time. I started looking at it in a positive way, thinking that it meant my bills were paid even though I could not develop further business and hoping that I would figure some way out of this corner. As you may already know, life often sorts things out its own way, preferably at the most unexpected time and through unexpected routes. This is what happened when my dream client told me they were changing their operational model and switching all their VoIP call center platform in-house. They even offered me a job as a permanent employee, but this was definitely not my ambition. With a bit of perspective, it made total sense from their point of view, economically and operationally. Had I been more experienced myself, I would surely have seen it coming before, but I was still young, relatively inexperienced and blinded by the impression that my dream was becoming true. There are so many things I would have done differently today, a lot of lessons to learn from and mistakes you can now avoid doing yourself to save a bit of time. First, letting my business become dependent on one single client put me in a very uncomfortable and dangerous spot. I know it's sometimes impossible to say no to such opportunities, especially in the early days of a new business, but it's essential to keep in mind that the client bringing it all in should be a facilitator, one step in the process of finding other opportunities and developing the business. As soon as it becomes the only purpose or viable activity of your business, you're in a totally different setting. Do you really want your business to be 100% what you do for that particular client? So let me be clear, the answer may be yes, but then you have to plan accordingly and know that for a fact. It should not be a choice by default, it must be a conscious, cautiously calculated twist of strategy. Secondly, in the way I sold the services I was developing, I essentially gave all the keys to the kingdom to my client. It was somehow on purpose as I didn't want to do what I called business retention by obfuscation, which is a concept I somehow derived from a more famous concept in IT security, whereby a good encryption algorithm should remain safe even if it's published. I come from the open source software world, so this was a very strong belief in my business philosophy. 
but I should have maintained a certain level of control, if not on my technology itself, at least on how I monitored my added value for the client. If they could just duplicate what I did, which is the concept behind open source anyway, then I should have ensured that I was still offering something more on top of it, be it a, a service or an assurance or comfort, that they were ahead of their competitors or anything else that would have made working with me more efficient and less cumbersome than hiring skills in-house to take over my ideas. Third, I didn't believe enough in myself and my technology. I didn't believe I could make it at a higher scale. I was sure the market was not ready for what I could offer. Even though that assumption was probably true, it didn't mean I could not try. I should probably have tried to onboard some more senior sales executives to target other big clients and scale up the business. Given how things later evolved, my small company might even have been an interesting target for a larger telco willing to capitalize on an existing technology instead of developing everything again from scratch. In the end, things worked out well for me and, again, in unexpected ways. I switched to consulting and offered my services based in great part on the experience accumulated over these years delivering services to smaller clients and I learned a lot more by experiencing life in Big Corp. But it was through tough times that I learned this lesson and switched to the following chapter in my professional life. So, keep in mind not to lose yourself on the way, not to lose the ambitions and mission of your business. As the entrepreneur, you are at the steering wheel. You decide what your strategy is, what your core market and core business are. And even though being adaptive or reactive to external events is essential to remain sustainable, you should not let events shape your business entirely. You must keep your added value at the core of your activity, making sure that you bring value to your clients or take the risk of seeing them run away as soon as an alternative is available on the market. Eventually, believe in yourself and let go of whatever pulls you back. Get rid of the barriers you naturally have. If your idea was worth going that far away from your comfort zone, it's surely worth going the extra mile to give it all the chances to become the success you want. Not all businesses will make it to success, but give your business all the chances it deserves. Thank you for listening and I look forward to welcoming you next week for our next episode of the Entrepreneur's Channel.
Hey, hey, there are things okay It's a sunny 